All right, you introduce us. This blow time. it up. No, don't blow the mics out. You blow it up. Blow it up. It's a nightmare in the editing room. <laughs> You're like a kid. <laughs> don't keep that stuff on. I'm not, but you introduce yes, us. Yes, you will. <laughs> you I'm do that all the time. I'm definitely going to keep it. That's our intro. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, so what do we do? Okay, so today I want to talk about I want to talk about how when people I've noticed that when they get scared or afraid, what's the one thing that they do? They try to control things. They try to control things around them. It's almost this default reaction from fear where when people get scared, yeah, of course, you know, when you when you are fearful, you want to have control over the situation or over life. It's it, just interesting to me that like when something happens that Okay, so we're humans that we need to be safe. We need to feel safe to thrive. So our whole kind of like MO is to create this life around us that we feel safe. We're not under attack. We trust the people next to us. We have enough food to survive. Like this is a primitive breakdown. But like when we feel safe, we're okay. Our system relaxes. We start to thrive. But I've noticed that when people don't feel safe around them, their reaction is to like try to control their surroundings and what do they do they start to try to control relationships like parents for example start to try to control their kids lives a little more it even goes much much more simpler than that people that want to control things look at their kitchen you know it's super organized you know some people had that trying to control things like their car their surrounding is super organized it's like a perceived sense of safety right it's not real it's not real there's like that's it what I gives want. You, it gives you a false or perceived sense of safety. It's basically you're tricking your system. You don't even realize it. You know those parents who clean their house from every single germ? That is their way to trick their mind into thinking like we're safe here. Right. Right? So I think it's, it's kind of an automatic reaction for people to try to feel safer. And the, uh, the more unsafe people feel, the more they try to control the environment. And you're absolutely right. Control... Everything around them, the environment, people, relationships, and on and on and on. Like you try to plan a day with someone like that. And they're trying to control every detail of that day down to the T and there's no flow. Correct. Because that gives them, you know, surprises are not a good thing. Right. Things that happen without notice are not good things. They're scary. Yeah. Right. They're not very spontaneous. They don't like spontaneity. They want, they want to know. Yeah, no surprises. What's coming next? You know, sometimes it's okay. When I teach a class, I like to tell people what's going to happen today. So some of the anticipation, you know, when is lunch? When is a break? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do today? Because otherwise you don't know how to organize your energy around the day. Yeah. And it's nice to know that, okay, so it'll be a lunch at 12 for an hour. And then we, the heavy material will be at 2, so mm-hmm. I should be ready for that. So I got to focus for three hours now till lunch. Exactly. And then, yeah. So if you don't know, you're like, okay, you know, so you, you, I think you put too much energy in the wrong places and it could be very exhausting. So it's nice to know things. But... You're talking about more trying to control things and having to know a lot. There's people that really need to know a lot of details, like ask a lot of questions. People want to know a lot of information. They need to know. They need to know to feel safe. Yeah. And um, I would claim that we're really not safe at all. And the sooner we get used to it, the better. We're sitting here in California, you and I. It's a beautiful afternoon. In three minutes could be a huge earthquake. Huge earthquake. 9.8 earthquake could be... Flatten us. The earth can sneeze and we are in some major crisis, right? 
How much control do we have about COVID? How much control do you have about drivers on the road? You can be the safest driver ever, and someone could be on his phone crossing a red light. And you just get unlucky. It's this notion of control. It's a falsity. So that's kind of what I wanted to explore is you can break control into so many categories. Control over family relationships, my friend relationships, my career, my activities, my passions, I don't think it really my matters. safety. It's, it's, it's all coming from one place. It's come from a place of fear and the feeling of being unsafe. So it's all the all of it, everything you mentioned is correct. It's all manifestation of it in one's life. It's all coming from the same place. So what what's the relationship then with fear and control? Because it just seems like the more people are put in this fearful state, the more they try to control. It's like a default reaction. So an anxious mind will go into fear quicker. Okay, uh, you hear a big boom on the street. You're like, oh, I wonder what it is. Some people may freak out that, that, that there's a bomb going off and the heart's going to race and it's going to take them an hour to come down from it. You may like forget about it five seconds later. Mm. So it's a tendency for anxiousness, for someone to be very anxious. So it's a system that doesn't know to self-regulate very well because of something that happened in childhood or a caretaker that wasn't very self-regulated himself or herself or themselves. And they basically don't know how to self-regulate quickly into a, a calmer state. So it's an anxious, anxious mind. There's, there's a lot of anxious minds in this so society. It's, it's like a survival technique then for people with anxious minds. I mean, we all experience it, but it's like when you have that anxiety and your system is kind of all over the place and scattered, you're, you're grabbing at control to try to create a safe environment. Well, it makes sense, right? So the, you want to give yourself the best feeling of safety and the only thing you can do is control your immediate environment yeah which is relationship places things and so that's what i want to talk about where do we see that manifest like for you where do you see so if i were to try to control my relationships what's a good example of that well parents for example like think let's think parents the parents parents are anxious right Mm -hmm. they're so the kids are helicopter parents you see it all the time exactly they're really worried something's going to happen to the kids, so don't climb on a tree and don't cross here and don't go there and stop playing with this and put the knife away. And mm. or, or even when the kids grow up and they turn into adults, you see the parents a lot of times like, oh, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or you need to do this or that. And they're projecting, you know, what they need to feel safe in their world for their kids to become so that they can be proud parents. And it's like this control it's, thing. It's prop- First of all, it's like supposedly that so the kids will be stable and make money. There's another thing there about ego. Well, my kid is smart, and that's we go into a different. That's a different topic. That's a different topic. But the control aspect of it. The control aspect is what you want to bring up. So the control aspect is if I control my kids, then they'll get hurt less. Yeah. And and they'll be safer. What you're really creating is very anxious kids. Right. And the, you're continuing the generational anxiety. That's what mm-hmm. you do. You're continuing the generational chain. anxiety. It's yeah. just another you're anxious with your kids. Kids will be anxious with their kids until somebody wakes up and says, stop, I need to do something about it and start working on himself or herself to come out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was really anxious as a kid growing up, too, because we had like an accident with one of my younger brothers that was everything turned out to be OK. But it, it traumatized me and I was so scared of losing a sibling. I would try to control them so much, control their lives. And, you know, I looked back in, into it at therapy and it's actually because I didn't want to have to go through the pain of losing, losing a sibling. And so I you almost did. So. I almost did. I got really close to it. Luckily, I didn't. But then I was like so worried about almost losing a sibling that I was just like helicopter brothering. And it was to preserve my own attachment and my own safety because if I lost a brother, it would have been so painful. 
and you probably knew it's going to be painful to your parents and it would impose on the safety of our life right. if that happened and so but then i was actually because i was so controlling i was hurting the relationship because i wasn't letting my brothers grow up with the same like they have to overcome their own challenges you always tell these things about yourself because i don't remember like, <laughs> you being like that at all i think oh. your brothers are very I mean, I, I was definitely, I was full of love. No, I was definitely like, I had helicopter brother you energy. Were? Yeah, for sure. You don't even realize it was more when we were so older. So you screwed up my kids. So I should pay for half the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Send me the invoice. No, I know the story with your brother that almost drowned and what that did to you. Yeah. And it was scary to all of us. And I had to sit with it and deal with it as well because I have four kids, four boys. <laughs> which play sports and like to do crazy stuff. And I have to come to terms with the fact that they make it hurt. Yeah. And maybe even worse. I cannot live a good life worrying about it all the time. Yeah. I have to accept that it's part of life. You have to let go of control. Absolutely. You have to let go of control. Absolutely. It's so important. And even in your head, you got to, you know, you, even if you don't want to do anything about it, something you just worry in your head, you don't want to sh- take it out on your kids, but you worry about it. I'm trying not to do that either. It doesn't do yeah. anything for my life or theirs. It's wasted energy. Completely. And really ruins your life because you're always worried. Um, You know, they say when you have a kid born, you're worried forever. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. I had that early. But I really think that's the heart of this episode is like all these ways that that control comes up in our life and we're trying to control situations and we're actually doing damage. So I like that example of like me trying to help my brothers be safe and controlling their lives to the point where it's actually doing damage parents controlling their kids lives so that they can feel you know safe and better about themselves but they're actually doing damage they're not letting the kids go out and thrive and figure out life for themselves and it's a lot of times what you said is they don't want to feel like terrible about something that would happen to them because they'll feel like they're bad parents and that they're going to feel a lot of hurt a lot of pain about child injuring himself or Mm -hmm. herself or, or something like that so it comes from this anxious mind and it's usually generational. The manifestation of it in the world is in, with a lot of control. And people are trying to control a lot around them. So where else do you see it? Is there any examples that you can think of that you see? Like The funny thing is that sometimes we actually admire it. People are very organized, very on top of things. Great of putting large events together and organizing large events. We're like, wow, that's a great... Their bandwidth for control is huge. But if you actually look at them, they're... they're control fix they're very hard to to live with well that's kind of when control the like problem of control meets an actual like skill their skill is to be able to handle a huge bandwidth for it so this thing that's maybe negatively driven to be able to like have control about the situation they're so good at it because they have the skills that it can scale to this huge absolutely it's kind of my story i used to organize large parking events you know the emmys and mm-hmm. the academy awards you know the all the parking for them and i was the one i wouldn't didn't sleep several nights before so and think anxious. about every possible <laughs> scenario to the point that we lost the key one year of a car of course a very expensive car for a very famous person and the following years we had a locksmith on site <laughs> with his van sitting waiting the whole night just didn't want to happen again <laughs> paid him a fortune Every time. That's interesting to me, though, because you're doing a really good job at this parking thing because of your anxiety. So, like, I'm wondering where the bad turns into good and where the good turns into bad. Like, you have a skill. When someone loses their key, which is a normal thing that could happen, and you're super prepared, they're going to be like, that's amazing. Good job. I trust this company. But they don't realize on the back end, you didn't sleep for three nights, and you're super anxious and high strung. So, I guess my 
question is like, is there a way to achieve that same level of skill without the angst, without the control? So I think in later years, it was less anxiousness and more experience for me. You know, mm-hmm. by the fifth Emmy, I was like, okay, we just get the, get the locksmith, get, yeah. the, get the cones, get the police, you know, everything. By year one, about. you were freaking out. There was always butterflies in the stomach. You were ready, yeah. There was always butterflies before, like a big game, right? Yeah. You get butterflies because it's like a big event. You don't want to screw it up. You don't right. know what's, what surprise is going to show up. But I was less and less anxious. But I would say that I was doing a really good job and I was really a good manager. But a lot of it came from a very anxious mind of mine. Hmm. Like a lot of the managers that I was with they would just show up to work you know they went out the night before they were like all good yeah and i made it really far but i was the one that didn't sleep at night thought about every scenario called everybody four times got everything ready (laughs) five times thought about every possibility i literally would think about every possibility that can go wrong and try to fix it in advance which is almost impossible right but i can tell you i was prepared so could you have done that without that anxiety it's a really good point sean it's a really good point i think that when we live because, you know, let's talk, think about it a second. Let's just take the key example. Right. So what happened is, if the people that lost the key were okay with it, and the people that put the party together were okay with it, and everybody said, hey, no worries, things happen. Mm. Send us the car tomorrow. We're all good. Then you, I probably wouldn't worry about it that much. Yeah. But they were not. <laughs> they were super anxious people. <laughs> how the hell did you lose my key? Who do you think you are? And how can we don't have a solution? And now we have to get him a limo. And it's going to be in the paper. And yada, yada, yada. So everybody's anxious around that issue. Mm. So you're kind of part of an anxious system. So the anxious people excel. Mm. So I think that it's more about that than about me being anxious. I I was excelling in a place of a lot of type A anxious people. I remember actually another interesting story. We lost two cars once. Someone stole two cars from us. They came at night to pick up the cars from the garage and they were gone. And we looked for the keys. We couldn't find the keys. We turned out someone broke into the key box. We realized the key box broken and someone stole two cars. One of them was super mad and angry and couldn't believe it and called the police and they went right to the paper and the other guy was super calm. He actually had a nicer car, more expensive <laughs> car. And I looked at him and I said, you seem much calmer, sir. And he goes, you know, I'm much worse than this other person. I'm a type A. And I actually went to, to take some classes to overcome that. Because that's, that did not take me to a good place. I was very anxious. Hmm. So I learned that it's only money and I should not get attached to them. It's just a car. Insurance will get me a new one. And I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. And I appreciated that so much. Hmm. Could see the difference between the two. You got two studies right in front of you. And I said to myself, I'm a type A and I want to be like this guy. <laughs> Where's the class? <laughs> well, it's, that's a great... I mean, I, we're kind of getting to where I was hoping we would get. But like, what I see is that if you... Like the anxiety, the, the need for control, it can elevate you. Like especially when you mix it with the skill that you have, it can push you forward. But you are climbing a hill or a mountain that is full of more anxious people, more people who need control. So it's more like, yeah, you'll get to this like quote unquote definition of success, but you're going to be at the top of this totem pole of anxiety. There's a huge price to pay for that excellence. And There's a huge price to pay to be that to be on top of that hill, Sean. So, so the work then is to look at your skills, look at what you're looking to achieve, and almost like pull apart the different threads 
what is like the good? What is the like, this is what I love doing. This is what I'm really good at. It comes really intuitively to me. And what is the like, I'm not enough. I need to do better. I'm really anxious. Like if you can pull them apart and have the threads isolated, then you can just focus on the one. Like, I guess my question to you is what happens when you just focus on that one then? Like, let's say you pull the, this like a yarn with three or four threads, you pull the bad ones out and you're just left with the good one, which is like, your authentic self, you're passionate, you love yourself, you're really good at parking. So you do things with uh, more calmness, more for the love of what you do, with bring experience. Maybe you, instead of not sleeping at night, you do a couple of sessions with all the managers and think about the worst scenarios. Mm-hmm. Do it in a kind of a light. Achieve the same goals yeah, without light anxiety. Way, okay, let's think about everything that went wrong the last few years. How do yeah, we fix it? Totally. And just take it as a group and say, let's do a better job this time. Hope it works. Yeah. Rather than, Carry it all on your shoulders, which I did. Right. Think it's all on you, which I did. You know, the end of the event, I was so exhausted. Hmm. Happy. Relieved. Happy and relieved, but I was exhausted. exhausted. Drained. Completely. So you probably could have been there at the end of the event feeling really good with way more energy. Like a good example is my video work. When I go to a project, I need like three cameras, 500 batteries, all these cables. And I used to freak out. What if I don't have the right thing? What if I don't have this triple check? And even when I knew I had it, I was still freaking out until I got there. And I would only let myself relax at the end of the project. And then, like you said, I was exhausted. But as I got older and I, the therapy helped, the meditation helped, it's like, dude, you checked, you have everything, you're good. The worrying doesn't help anymore. Stop bleeding the energy. That's And, and if you're missing something, you'll figure a way around it. figure it out. And like you tell the people, like, dude, you do due diligence. Like, make sure you check the boxes. Don't go party the night before. And let go. Yeah, and then let go. And, and at that point, it's good. That's the answer. I would say do the best you can, calmly, and then let go. And then accept... You, you, that if something didn't work, it's not your fault. Yeah. You did the best you could. You can only do the best you could. Yeah. And you always tell yourself, oh, but I could have done better. And if I slept, you know, right. it's not true because things will still happen. You know what Gandhi said? Don't lose, just learn. It's like that. Exactly. I actually always say that we gain confidence from our success and we learn the most from our failures. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. I feel good about this episode. I guess to conclude, we have this need for control. We should understand that, that like it's a primitive survival thing. We have a need to control our surroundings so we can feel safe, so we can let our system relax, rest and recover. In this new day and age, we tend to fall back on wanting more control when we don't feel safe. We live in an anxious world. We live in a very anxious society. So we're pulled more towards scatterbrained, anxious, quick-minded stuff. So trying to pull that apart, looking at everything we do and trying to pull that little anxious piece away and knowing that we can achieve those same goals without the need for control, without that anxiety. Like you said, do the best you can and then let go. We'll end there. Do the best you can and then let go.